0: You're listening to Mitnick's Monthly Brushstrokes, a podcast on the art of outsmarting, the fun part that sets you apart. I'm Keith Mitnick, author of Don't Eat the Bruises, How to Foil Their Plans to Spoil Your Case. For more information, please visit KeithMitnick.com. This is Keith Mitnick, and today I wanna talk about some issues related to medical malpractice cases. They're very difficult cases for numerous reasons. A lot of people feel I can't get a good doctor for my family because all these suits against doctors, so you have heavy duty bias. Another reason is unlike other cases where everybody knows what the basic rule involved in, you don't speed, you don't run a stop sign, you're reliant on experts to establish what the underlying safety rule is, which is difficult because now you're in a situation where the experts aren't agreeing and it's easy for the jury to say, my goodness, if they can't agree on what the doctor was supposed to do, I don't want to brand them a malpracticer and hurt his or her career over it. So you've got that aspect of it. You also have built into it the problem that unlike most other lawsuits, admittedly, the defendant in this case was trying to help your client. In a car crash, usually your client was irrelevant. They didn't even see you had nothing to do with what they did. In this case, the doctors actually admittedly was trying to help. You just said he didn't do his job right in trying to help. So you add these factors in, and they're very difficult cases to try. I always say the tobacco cases are the hardest cases to try in a cigarette company case for a smoker because of the machinery of the defense they have. But the hardest case to win is a mad mal case for all these reasons. Plus, half the time you're suing Marcus Welby, MD, and come walking in the courtroom, and he's got a lot of sympathy going his way. And people think it's going to destroy his career, and you don't get to tell him he's got a bunch of insurance. So for all those reasons, they're hard. I'm going to just touch on a few subjects that deal with some of those things. And I think for those of you that do medical malpractice, you may appreciate these thoughts and be able to incorporate them into your practice. And I'm hopeful and encouraged that they will be of significant benefit. One of them is this concept of the doctor was there to help. It's very important to establish in voir dire and earn the trial that this doctor was not doing volunteer work. This was not a situation of someone lending a helping hand. This was a hired hand. Feel the difference? It wasn't a lending hand. It was a hired hand in fact this doctor elected to go into a profession where he would get paid and want patients to come so he could make money from that and his job involves something as precious as being responsible for doing his job well because someone else's life and health hangs in the balance then he better do that job that he's being paid for right because there is no room to get a little sloppy and maybe the package on the conveyor belt doesn't get packaged just as nicely So you can actually up the ante some once you've got the foundation that this is not volunteer work, this is a job that this doctor elected to do for a fee, and he is not giving a helping hand, it is a hired hand. This isn't a situation where someone nicely tried to open the door for a stranger and then inadvertently stepped on their toe. This is a doctor who said, come here, and I will charge, and I will do a job to make you better. And he didn't do his job right, but it's not volunteer work. That, number one, that concept, which can be worked into jury selection, cross-examinations and closing arguments, and direct examinations of experts can really establish a major shift in the perspective of the jury that is worthwhile, because then you take off that worry list that makes med cases so hard that fundamental concern of them saying, goodness gracious, after all, he was trying to help. Another one is that with the area where they create what feels like a gray area, where if the experts can't agree, then how am I to brand him a malpracticer? That's a very important subject to cover. And the first starting place to cover that is gotta be covered in the deposition. You need to ask the expert in the deposition, sir, you're not suggesting there is no standard of care, you're simply saying that the doctor met the standard of care. 99% of the time he's gonna say yes. Once you got the yes, it's a very, very important piece of the puzzle because now you can tell the jury. This is not a situation where there is no standard of care. There is no right or wrong way. There is no doing your job right or doing it unacceptably and wrong. Everyone agrees that there is a standard of care, which is a fancy word for doing your job right. The only difference here is their experts tell you that the standard of care, that doing your job right, that this threshold of fundamental care, the safety rules are way down here. And we say they're here. And your job is to decide who makes more sense, who's more likely right than wrong. And how do you do that? You come together as a group of appraisers and you weigh the believability of witnesses. You weigh the believability of witnesses and you determine who's being evasive, who's giving it to me straight, who's selling it too hard, who seems to be just open-ended educator as opposed to a paid persuader with an agenda. Who's just letting the chips fall where they may? You weigh which makes sense to me, which doesn't. You weigh all of that because I can tell you, the experts will not be agreeing in this courtroom or else we wouldn't need you. But what I need to make sure is some people feel if the experts won't be agreeing here in court, then I couldn't bring back a verdict against a doctor saying he committed medical negligence or malpractice and hurt his patient. I would need him to be in agreement. The way it's supposed to work is... There's an understanding and an agreement here that everyone agrees there's a right and a wrong way and you got two different sides giving it to you differently and you got to figure out which one of them makes more sense is most likely the right way. But if you're coming into it saying, I need them all to agree and if they don't, you lose, then we lose because I'm telling you they won't be agreeing and I need to know that. Say, so buddy, follow me. I promise you will get people for cause on that. On the rest of them, I go and say, so you're all right with saying, uh, you're not going to say, oh, this must be a gray area. Nobody knows because they won't be agreeing. That you understand there is a right way and everybody agrees. you got to figure out which one makes sense and who's more believable. That's really important. And it really works. And you notice I say won't be agreeing, won't be agreeing in court. The reason I say won't be agreeing is I don't want to say they can't agree, Or don't agree. That implies an honest disagreement. And our position is someone ain't giving it to you straight. So we do it that way. And now we've taken another one of the concerns out, which is they won't be agreeing. Along that same line, set the bar lower than this impressive guy from Harvard or Yale or Brigham Young or wherever the heck he's coming from. You want to set the bar lower than he's just a bald-faced liar, because that's going to be hard to prove, someone with that kind of a resume. So what do you say he's a good man or a good lady who's gotten carried away by the competitive spirit or the desire to please the side that handpicked him and hired and is paying him? I don't know which, but I can tell you that doesn't make sense. And that isn't accurate. I'm not saying they're a bad person. It's a good person who's gotten carried away by the competitive spirit. Now you're able to distinguish why your expert's right, their expert's wrong without having to prove they're just bald-faced liars. And you have covered the gray area because you got it in the deposition, you got it out in jury selection, and you got everybody on there to commit that they were not going to do that to you just because there's disagreeing experts, you lose. And if you put all those pieces together and you're using the term such as not doing your job right, rather than getting drug into the ugly world that's a non-winner to say standard of care, you've come a long way to advancing your chances of winning a very difficult case. In the last part of that that I want to... Um, add to it is something that I highly recommend. Oftentimes, when you have one expert saying, you should have run this test, and the other expert saying, no, the standard of care didn't require you to run that test. In those situations, the jurors get bogged down, and it's hard for them to say, it's so clear you should have run the test, when they had this super impressive guy that said, you don't have to run the test. And here's an answer to dealing with that dilemma and it's what I call the path of least resistance. In deposition, have your standard of care experts say, the standard of care required that he do the test. But at the very least, the standard of care required that he informed the patient that that test was an option. Once you get that into his opinion so they can't scream new opinion, here's what you do in closing argument. Here's what you do on cross-examinations. Sir, you say you didn't have to do the test. You agree it was at their fingertips. It was available. You agree it would have discovered it. Would you not at least agree? If you weren't going to do it, you ought to at least tell the patient it was an option and let them decide. Keep the patient in the loop, not in the dark. Jurors will say, I can tell you from interviewing them, you know, I wasn't so sure you had to do the test. For goodness sake, you should have told the patient. Kept him in the in the loop, not in the dark. And I've won cases and heard that from jurors, knowing if I hadn't put that second tier way to win, then I probably would have lost the case. So the keep him in the loop, not in the dark, is another substantial way to try to clear all these hard hurdles in med- Mal and get justice for your client who's deserving. For more information, please visit keithmitnick.com.